2: Hey, welcome to On the Mic. My name's Mike Goldman, and today my guest on the show is a branding superpower. He is the chairman of a company that's been around for over 130 years, launching international brands into Australia like Makona Coffee, chupa Chups, uh, Gillian Chocolates, Betty Crocker, Mentos, Fisherman's Friend. Tabasco sauce, and so many more, delivering retail sales of well over $300 million. He's walked the Simpson Desert, he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, the tallest freestanding mountain in the world, and his work with charities is absolutely unstoppable, probably why he's a member of the Order of Australia. Uh, He also is one of the most accomplished and humble men you could ever meet. He's got a brand new book. It's called Brand New, Brand You, which is something that's really important in these uncertain times with so many people losing their jobs, businesses closing down. It's a great time to speak to someone like this with such an incredible brain. Gary Brown, welcome to the show. How are you holding up?
1: Thanks, Mike. I'm uh, I'm holding up pretty well. Uh, Obviously, uh, very uh, concerned with what's going on in the current environment, but uh, looking forward to uh, getting through it. it is a challenging time for the community and resilience is what will get us through.
2: It it is crazy times, Andy, but you're well, your your family and everything's okay? Yes,
1: absolutely. And uh, I continually check in on them and as many friends and um, colleagues as possible.
2: And so I guess you're uh, working from home like everyone else, how are you handling that? I've
1: learnt the meaning of cabin fever, which I probably uh, didn't know what it was like, but uh, I'm coping pretty well under the circumstances. What are you doing? How are you coping with that? So you've just got to go out and keep your running going and your cycling going. You're allowed to go out once a day. And that's keeping me uh, refreshed and uh, certainly allowing me to make contact and engage with people uh, uh, around the country.
2: And and I guess you know setting goals and things to look forward to. Like I mean, you've, you've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, you've you've walked the Simpson Desert. You're like you're just sort of setting the next goal. What are you do? Climb Everest? <laughs> uh,
1: I think I think Everest might be uh, too far away at this point in time. I would certainly love to, but I think it's uh, it's something for the for the years to come, not not in the immediate future.
2: Okay, let's get down to business here. COVID-19 is one of the most shocking things to ever happen to the world. The economists are predicting that uh, a bigger depression since the Great Depression, World War Two, World War One. I. I mean, it, it, it's constantly changing every single day. And how are businesses supposed to adapt? And, and what would you suggest to them in terms of their personal brand?
1: Well, very simply, I think from a business perspective, they've got to maintain their leadership and ensure that they are true to their values and, their ideals, look after their staff, retention of their business where possible, and plan for when we do come out the other side.
2: Well, we will come out the other side. It looks like the curve is flattening. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's turned into a bit of a police state where you are in, in New South Wales. What's it yeah. like out there on the streets?
1: It's pretty quiet at the moment. Uh, if you're going to work, you're okay. If uh, you're doing much else, you're better off being indoors and looking after your family and trying to find new ways to uh, to learn, to connect and, and grow.
2: Did you see uh, in Western Australia, they've actually got a... Uh a little drone with with flashing police lights on it and a camera and a megaphone telling people to get off the streets it's like some something out of a science fiction movie and you know and most of those disaster movies center on new york and that's exactly where the epicenter of this problem is right now
1: absolutely absolutely but i think it is critically important that people do as they've been asked and that is to isolate where possible it does show that we are such a wonderful country when it comes to freedom. And many other countries, take Singapore for example, uh, certainly there's a more compliance type of mindset that we don't have in this country.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Singapore, Japan, Malaysia, I mean, they've whacked the masks straight on. I mean, they, yeah. they, they were set up since SARS happened. So, yeah. so, so they're more prepared. And if you look at the, uh, the curve, like we're on the same trajectory as, as Italy, yeah. sort of starting to, to yeah. head down a little bit, but those countries have, have got it sorted out.
1: No, it's very sad, very, very sad.
2: Hey, uh, all right, well, let's get into it. Um, you know, how would someone protect their brand or, or look at ways to change it in the face of something like COVID-19?
1: Well, I think with the dominance of uh, COVID-19, trying to really um, get ahead of the, the pack is incredibly difficult, but there are opportunities because we are overwhelmed and dominated by this, uh, this virus and in terms of messaging, news media, etc. So people are certainly looking for other knowledge, information, And getting your brand ahead of the pack, and especially if you're in one of those industries where you can support and enhance the community to protect themselves accordingly, then you've got a great opportunity to build your brand even further. If you're not there, then you have to find ways to actually be uh, of use and benefit that would give people a reason to actually recognize and learn more about your brand and what you can do?
2: Okay, this is probably the most important question for this whole interview. Like more people have been laid off now than ever in the history of our country. They're they're in isolation, they're in lockdown. Consider it a cocoon if you will, because eventually you can come out of your cocoon like a, a beautiful butterfly. So people would be sitting at home thinking, what am I gonna do? What's my next move? Uh, and I guess your best advice would be to focus on your brand. How are you going to change it? How are you going to focus on your values? How are you going to going to, going to relaunch yourself in a way to be that beautiful butterfly when you, when you leave your cocoon? Uh, v-
1: very true. And I think very, the fact that they have some time to do that is to sit down and, and really understand what they want to do and who they can turn to to get some advice and guidance if they've got a confidant, a mentor, someone they can speak to that's going to at least give them some help in terms of crafting what their purpose is and how they can actually make an impact on their next role and next career.
2: So it's constantly changing, Gary. I mean, you, you watch the news every morning and, and something different is happening, whether it's a lockdown or if it's your hospitals being built, economists saying that you know, one second that we're going to have a mini boom as soon as this is all sorted out. And the other side, they're saying it's going to be you know like the Great Depression or you know 10 times worse than the uh, 2008 GFC. Um, wh- what do you do on a daily basis when do you constantly looking at your brand? And is it something you you would just have to adapt to with what is going on in the current climate?
1: Well, I think very simply, as far as your own brand is concerned, it's about holding your values, your morals and uh, your behaviours in line and in sync. It's, about, it's really about trying to keep you cool and trying to navigate some of the challenges. And there'll be many things thrown at you in this di- difficult environment. But This happens in business on a day-to-day nature, whether we've got crisis or not. You're always challenged with difficult decisions and you have to navigate and ensure that you engage all those around you in a relevant way
2: so when when you say uh your values uh so your core values if it's a business or if it's a a personal branding thing uh what what kind of values are we talking about here you know like you're the kind of person that will walk a little old lady across the street or someone who donates to charity or you know someone who dresses really well and is it the look if you've got you know donald trump fake tan or you dye your hair what do you what do you talk about here when you mean when you mean values
1: values are very much about respect for fellow human beings it is is what you hold true and the way you speak, the way you act and the way you behave and the way you treat others. At the end of the day, it's values that uh, community expect and you expect to be treated.
2: And so how do you maintain your relevance in the current climate? Uh, You know, obviously things constantly changing. Uh, you know, maybe your business isn't so relevant anymore. I mean, how do you, how do you focus on your own revel, re, relevance, sorry, how do you focus on your own uh, relevance and, uh, and how do you make it fit in with what's going on at the moment?
1: Well, I think firstly you have to understand who you're relevant to and very simply reaching out to those people who you know you can support and help, whether it be in the community and that they require some sort of mentoring. For my mind, just being a uh, a sounding board for people who are challenged in business or in the community is in itself a way of being able to help others and at the same time being relevant to them because you're adding value by listening and maybe guiding them accordingly.
2: So, who is doing it well at the moment? surely you've uh, you've seen different brands stepping up to the plate. They've obviously got great leaders in place. Who would you say is is using their personal brand successfully in the turbulent months that we've seen?
1: in In the current environment, uh, I, I've got to say that the medical fraternity are uh, are doing it incredibly well. One that comes to minds Mark, Michael Cargreg, who really has been uh, quite, uh, articulate in terms of the way in which he's uh, given good advice and been a sounding board for not only media um, uh, interviewers but also to the community generally and has been and is really his brand is is very much about uh, helping the and articulating from a medical perspective the psychological aspects of um, issues that occur in society.
2: And so uh, someone like that, I guess, how, what have you actually seen him doing? Is it like you're talking about his brand out on social media? Is he uh, you know, pushing you know, ads out there somewhere or is it his messaging that he's sending out in emails? In, in, in what way are you talking about?
1: I, I think he's messaging, but also in, in the mediums in which he's choosing to be, uh, to be involved. And uh, mainstream media is probably where you see him the most. Um, certainly uh, his, his messaging in, in other forms of social media are, are known as well. But he's very, he's very guarded, he, he protects his brand incredibly well, and as a medical practitioner, you've got to do that.
2: Yeah. So what about someone along the lines of uh, a politician, for example, ScoMo? I mean, the poor guy, he's like the Stephen Bradbury of politics. He he was just the last man standing and ended up being prime minister. He's had to deal with floods and bushfires, and now this, which is one of the worst catastrophes that, that probably we've ever seen in this country, other than, you know, a World War One or two. Uh, <laughs> where do you think his brand's standing at the moment, and what, what would you do if you were him?
1: So firstly, uh... I think the majority of people would say they'd want, the last thing they'd uh, want to be is in his position. But uh, very clearly, he's demonstrated very strong leadership. He has taken uh, decisions with engaging uh, national uh, governments or state governments on a national basis. Uh, he has demonstrated leadership in terms of articulating what he believes is right. He makes it very clear. He's very articulate. He balances his position in terms of what he's decided and what he's, he sees as the potential pitfalls going forward. He does indicate a, uh, the steps for the future. And I think it's incredibly important as a good leader that you actually can communicate accordingly. And branding is about leading from the front and making sure you can communicate your values, your philosophies and your positioning in difficult times and in good times. And we're in difficult times and I, I think that as a leader, he's, uh, he gets full marks.
2: Man, he, he has a tough job ahead, doesn't he? Mm. So how, how would someone identify their own personal brand if, uh, you know, say, they're an actor or someone that owns a coffee shop to you know, someone who uses a used car yard and they're thinking, what, what is this personal brand thing? I just do my job and I go home at the end of the day. Uh, how do you identify who you are and, and what you stand for and your values to identify your own personal brand?
1: Some people are a natural at it and they understand what their purpose is in life. Others struggle with it and really need to consult and discuss with, if they are interested in trying to build a personal brand, uh, with with those who they see as being relevant, whether it be close friends, confidants, etc. I often uh, encourage people to sit down and work out what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses uh, in terms of trying to Uh, position themselves so they are unique if they want to try and be more relevant than what they are uh, in their current job. And that, that takes a bit of time, but sometimes the best people to ask are the people who you work with as to where people see you and what they see your purpose and where they want or think you should be in terms of building your brand.
2: So, what's that just saying to someone? Hey, what do you think my brand is? What, what, what do you think my values are? How do you see me? Because I mean, in the acting, or because I'm I'm an actor. And uh, you know we, we have this, uh, this little exercise that we do where we, we, we try and uh, go to people who don't know us and say, just looking at me right now, what do you see? And people go, oh, you, know, you could be a doctor or you could be a, uh, maybe a, a police officer or something like that. So if someone doesn't have a personal brand, what kind of questions do they ask their friends and family to figure out their own brand?
1: Well, I've, I think firstly, it's not uh, what you do, it's who you are. And firstly, being able to ask people the question, you've firstly got to understand yourself, who you think you are. It's no use asking someone, what am I, when you haven't got a view of it yourself. So the first thing is, I'm a great actor, to take your example, and I really want to add value and add impact to others. What is the important thing that you see I can do. And it's about having that dialogue and discussion. But I think you've got to be in touch with your own purpose first before you actually go and ask others about it.
2: So you've launched some of the the biggest international brands in the world in Australia. And one of my favorites that you've done is Tabasco Sauce. Uh, how do you measure the success of something like Tabasco? I mean, this, this stuff, it, it goes in cocktails, I put it on pizza, I'll put it on my eggs for breakfast in the morning. Is there something else you're gonna launch soon, like you can use it as deodorant or something like that? <laughs> um, how do you measure it? That's obviously so successful, but how do you measure that success?
1: Well, there are various ways you measure that in terms of uh, obviously the, the sales of the product, number one, uh, the, the revenues that come from that but also importantly um, what they call aided and unaided awareness in terms of do people know the brand and do they know what they should be using it for? And those sort of things are measured on a, uh, a regular basis by engaging with the users, the consumers of the brand Tabasco, which is a brand that's been around since the Mid eighteen hundreds, eighteen sixty
2: three. Well, what is what is in that stuff anyway? What is in that stuff? <laughs> yeah, why is it so good? It I mean, is you obviously, obviously, you—I don't know. I thought you might know the ingredients off the top of your oh, head. Oh, the ingredient. It, of course, I knew it, what you were saying. It's, but it's, it's amazing.
1: It is, and it's—it's uh, it's basically peppers and uh, and vinegar and salt, nothing more. And it's—it's it's, it's matured. It's all the
2: brand. It's all about the branding. It wouldn't be Absolutely. selling here if it wasn't for you. But,
1: you know, brands go through cycles and sometimes they're relevant at a moment in time and, and at other times they, they fall out. And Tabasco has become more relevant in recent times because cooking and the flavours and tastes of foods have become critical and important in today's society. And being in a multicultural and, and global environment, those sort of... Uh, tastes of different cuisines have become a prominent part of society. And hence, Tabasco's come into its own.
2: So what does it mean to be lost or stranded in the world of personal branding? You hear some businesses say that, where they, they, they've got a lack of direction. What, what does that all mean?
1: Well, I think they've lost their uh, they've lost their direction because their consumers have deserted them. Their consumers have deserted them for either competitors or the brand has actually... Uh, not maintained its relevance. As a result, consumers have gone either to another product or brand, or they have stopped consuming that particular style of, of product. And so what you see is with trends, there are trends, there are fads, there are fashions, consumers move through different stages. And we see that all along, that brands can fall in and out of favour. But when they're stranded, the chances of getting them back on track become incredibly difficult unless they reinvent themselves Hmm. and be able to stand for something that is in demand by the consumer.
2: So who is someone that you think has reinvented themselves and their personal brand and it's worked, worked really well for them? first one that comes to mind for me is someone like Roger Federer. I mean, he was unstoppable for so long and then all of a sudden started getting beaten and he decided to take six months off to train and focus on his brand. And he didn't just come out as an amazing player and become unbeatable again. He's come out with a new logo, new brand, new clothing. And in so many ways, he just absolutely reinvented himself. you, you got you, any other any other people like that you can think of off the top well, of your head?
1: You're absolutely right. And, and just taking Roger Federer... Um, further because um, whilst he fell in and out, his performance also improved, but he then not only reinvented his logo, he actually aligned himself with other brands that were also on the on a strong trajectory, like um, Rolex, for example, and Uniglue, who are brands that probably in the past weren't well known, but now are far more prominent.
2: Uh, uniquely that's the, uh, the the clothing brand the retail yeah is, is that another one of your clients how many have you got now
1: <laughs> No, it's not one of mine but it's a it's certainly a, a fabulous brand isn't it
2: you're, you're fishing you're fishing for new brands what's what's a brand that if, if you could have right now you' you would be uh, targeting you know something that that you would love to have in your uh, quiver of brands that you represent
1: well that, that's a really interesting question because uh, there is such a variety on uh, on, on, the, uh, on the market, it, it really comes down to uh, brands of the future. And there, there are certainly plenty of brands that uh, are there. I, I, I wouldn't like to mention one in particular.
2: Okay, because that would look like you're trying to steal someone's client. Potentially, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. So uh, how can our behavior and our perceptions uh, conflict? You know, w- what can we do to ensure that they work together?
1: So, behaviours and perceptions, as they align with values, because very simply, uh, your values and it's the old story of talk the walk and walk the talk, and um, if people see your values conflicting with your behaviours, it actually brings a question, Mark, about who you are and what you really stand for. And they can conflict at times, and the perception that they conflict means that you haven't articulated your position very well. Or in fact, the target, those who are looking at you are not recognising that things have moved on. Because your values can change over time in terms of the expectations of the target market or the community in which you're in.
2: So what do you think would be a good starting point to, to develop your brand?
1: So I think very simply to understand, uh, you need to firstly understand yourself, what is your purpose, number one. And what I sometimes talk to young people about is what is their elevator statement? What is the impact they wanna make on their job, their community, their family, etc., cetera, and start articulating that. And then find someone who's a confidant, who's a mentor, someone who can actually talk through those issues with you to actually formulate a basis by which you can move your brand forward.
2: So what do you reckon, uh, what would your elevator pitch be on, on yourself and your personal brand? Do you have one?
1: Yes, I do. I do. And uh, I believe I'm the catalyst for helping people and organisations realise their true potential.
2: That's great. Short, sharp, to the point, says exactly what you are. So I think think if someone was going to say what their mantra is, if you will, it could be another way to put it. It's got to be short, sharp, sweet, to the point, so people absolutely get it. Hmm. Um, I heard someone say one the other day that I thought was kind of cool. Actually, it it was... an entire, uh, the biggest stadium management group in the world, the CEO uh, said uh, their their mantra was um, occasionally right, but never in doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, they're they're a company that's rolling their dice a lot, obviously putting on events and all that kind of stuff. So I I, I do love that, that short, sharp, sweet approach of just uh, narrowing it down. So what can we take from successful business brands and incorporate into our own personal branding?
1: well they need you need to start off with something that is going to be uh needed and wanted by others so what is it that you can offer so there's got to be that reciprocity of need want need and and the benefits accordingly it's about guarding it and protecting it it's about walking the talk and talking the walk it's about continually reinventing yourself when you recognize you're not getting the Uh, the traction that you think you should have and working on trying to improve that, whether it be in terms of training and development, in terms of building your profile, in terms of seeking advice, knowledge and guidance with those who are around you or through a mentor. Those sort of elements are all coupled together to try and bring a better presentation for you to develop and build your
2: brand. So, are you ever approached about someone's brand that that's been damaged, like an accident has happened with a business, or you know someone's been caught with their pants down? Who's CEO? Do they ever come to you and say, "Hey, how do I how do I fix this? How do how do I look good again?"
1: If you're talking from a branding perspective, yes, I do uh, have that discussion. Uh, in terms of individuals and their brands. Um, I haven't had to deal with specifically someone whose brand is damaged and how they would fix it. Um, I certainly have had the discussion of how you would go about taking that brand to another level, but it's a real challenge when you've got a damaged brand to reshape and reinvent it. Not impossible, but very difficult.
2: So um, you've you've done a lot of charity work over the years. I want to what a to touch on on that, and you, and you, and you still do. Um, how do you choose the, uh, the the right charities that that are relevant to your brand and the uh, the right way to give back to society to be a part of who you are?
1: So sometimes, let me say up front, that sometimes the charity selects you as opposed
2: to you select the charity. I know Charlie um, Tio is ringing me all the time, getting me to host random events <laughs> everywhere, and I'm like. Dude, I've got to go and earn some money sometime. I can't keep for free. But but you, you, they do they do cha- uh, select you and I, I do a bit of charity work myself and but but it, it is such a great feeling to know that you are giving back to society and you are making a difference. Um, and how do you, how do you incorporate that as well into your brand without looking like you're your grandstanding?
1: So I think very simply, uh, I look at different categories and segments that I think I can add value. Uh, my my starting point is how can I improve their their commercial approach to the way they build their organization and very often in the non-for-profit they haven't got the money to build their organization and their profile but they need to improve their branding to actually be attractive to their donors and so I spend uh, my interest is spending time with organisations where I can help lift the profile of the brand, when it and in turn will be attractive to potential donors and fund funders to get more money, so that they can achieve their outcomes. And whether it be education, whether it be in health-related areas, um, I, I have a broad range. I am not necessarily selective with particular organisations. And, you know, for example, having been in Rotary for, for 25, 26 years, Rotary is covering such a, uh, a broad sec- cross-section of the community. So we don't, we're not so selective between education, health, it's the needs in the community and who needs your help.
2: So there's a hell of a lot of charities out there that, that do need help. And uh, what, what would be the first thing you'd, you'd say to a charity? Because the, the first thing that they want to do is raise money. How do they find those people who, who are philanthropists that, that might be uh, you know, regularly donating a, a million dollars a year or 100000 here there? Um, how would you tell them to approach those kind of people and, and uh, set up maybe a, a mutual benefit for both of them?
1: So I think the first thing is to ask, what is your value proposition? What What is your purpose? And how do you articulate your purpose? And how does that attract and interest the potential donors? And what is the win-win? What does the donor get out of it apart from just feeling good? And what is it that you can offer them to show the impact of their investment in your organisation? So I go through a lot of questioning with those who are in that fundraising space to try and get them to align their organisation and their people so they're all talking and asking the same questions and promoting it in the same way.
2: It's tough, it's hard to say, stay relevant as a, as a charity and especially with what's going on at the moment, it's, uh, it, it's crazy out there with uh, COVID-19 all over the place and on the news every two seconds. Uh, you know, what would you say to a charity out there, like for example, the Charlie Teo Foundation? Who, I mean, just recently we were supposed to uh, run the Rebel Ball over at Luna Park, and that's the, yeah. their, their bi- the I was supposed to host it. It was the biggest um, fundraising event of the year for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's raised millions of dollars before now. Now that that uh, those fundraising facilities are gone, uh, what, what would you suggest to people like that?
1: So I can name a number of other organisations who've uh, raised the same issue with me. Uh, and that ball of Charlie's, uh, I, know, I know, have been to it, so I know what it raises. And other organisations raise similar m- monies on different at uh, different times of the year. What I've suggested is they have to be innovative and creative. They have to think about if there is no ball, what can they do that's going to generate another form of revenue. And one of the suggestions I've made on this other organisation, which uh, is probably something Charlie should consider, is having a, an online uh, Zoom event so that you can have a virtual event and promote it in such a way. Obviously now with groups of people being reduced from 10 down to, to two, it becomes incredibly more difficult
2: I think that could work, absolutely. You tell everyone they're not allowed to be in the Zoom unless they've obviously paid their ticket price and they're wearing a black tie. So all these people at home have to be dressed up and then all of a sudden they, they can full screen entertainment from Jimmy Barnes, you know, Dave Hughes doing his comedy, and then they can just show all the, uh, all the different items up for auction on screen. So it's like an online auction with amazing things.
1: Absolutely, and they've got the database of those people who were going to attend or attended last year, and you still have the event on the night. And then... Everyone has it within their own homes on that particular night.
2: Get Deliveroo as a sponsor. They can do all the catering. <laughs> it Correct. Can, it can easily work. I, I reckon that's a great idea. We're definitely going to do that. Um, so you've been a CEO of uh, your company before. Now you're the chairman. There's uh, a lot of CEOs out there on LinkedIn who would be watching this, and, and they're probably thinking, okay, I'm getting older. A company's getting older. How do we stay relevant over time? And how do we, we keep in touch with the youngest members of the organisation and seek their feedback because you know millennials are so in touch with their own personal brand, especially if they've got a little bit of a following online. And how, how, would, a, how would a CEO in their 50s talk to them without being ignored?
1: So very simply, uh, I would, when I was CEO, seek feedback from the youngest people in the organisation and make sure that I had the opportunity of maybe just having what we, we used to call a, a brown paper bag lunch where you'd come and sit around the table and talk about the boardroom table and talk about ideas and, and issues they may have. Uh, obviously, I'm not in that position now, but what I try and do to maintain that relevance is to encourage young people, to mentor young people, to in, get an idea and understanding of the way they're thinking and how I can help them. And I would probably get I think at least one, two a month, that uh, would contact me to seek uh, some sort of guidance ideas, and my my door, my uh, metaphoric door, is always open to to any young person to uh, to actually uh, send me a note and give me some uh, feedback or at least ask my uh, my advice on anything, and that's how I stay relevant. At the same time is certainly satisfaction in helping a young person get to the next step in their their career.
2: Do you ever learn anything from them? Always, always what kind of things would you learn from them? I mean, obviously, you know, the latest social media craze might be TikTok or, you know, you were talking about Zoom, but I know all the, uh, all the kids are getting on house party right now. So right. is, is that, that what you mean in terms of what, what they're doing or what they're listening to or how they're consuming media? Are they the kind of questions you ask if, if you're a CEO talking to uh, a young person in your organisation?
1: But it's also, that's true, you know, you do get uh, that feedback as well and and, and knowledge, but it's actually the way they think and their thought process of what they define as, for example, what their values are or what they see as important, what their behaviours are, and also how they define loyalty uh, and elements, which if you go back 10 or 15 years, the... um, expectations have changed significantly. So when I was going growing up, and I had a totally different view of the world to what young people have today.
2: Yeah, there's different expectations when you're a young person who's, say, 19 to, to 22, working for a, a big organisation, as opposed to what the, uh, the CEO would expect. I mean, how do, how do, you, uh, how do you deal with uh, conflicting values with employees and colleagues?
1: Well, I think you have to continually uh, check in with all people within the organisations as to whether they recognise the values are relevant for today and whether they live and breathe those values. Because the values shift over time, but they shift in terms of their relevance and meaning. That doesn't mean you lose them It just means there's a shift. And if those people don't live by those values, they in time will just drop off because they won't feel comfortable being in an environment where the values are aligned in the majority of instances and they're not aligned.
2: Well, technology is changing every day. There's always something new being invented. There's a new app, a new computer system, a new way to do business. Uh, you know, How is uh, technology impacting our brands on a daily basis? So I
1: don't think it's technology that actually impacts our brands. It's the way it's delivered. Technology will help that brand uh, in terms of the speed by which you deliver it. But, but you also have to recognize that the brand uh, is something you have to protect through different channels. Technology has allowed us to use different channels to deliver our message, and it's a matter of how you guard that brand to ensure it goes within those channels, with to ensure that it's relevant to the channels in which you're you're positioning yourself.
2: So. I mean, how do you see it changing in the next, you know, four, five, ten years? Even when, you know, when you are putting out your messaging and you are engaging with, with your fan base or members of the public that might like your brand, whether it's a business or or a personal brand, do do you just jump on every new social media that comes along, or or do you just say, okay, nope, we only put out our branding on YouTube and that's it? Should it be everywhere?
1: Uh, no, it shouldn't be everywhere. You need to be considered, and you need to treat your brand and your positioning in a strategic sense. And that means being considered in what forums and what target market you actually want to present yourself. Um, Whether it be LinkedIn for for a business perspective or whether it be from a um, Facebook from a a more jovial perspective um, or family perspective, you might decide to do that, but it is very clear that if you want to protect and manage your brand, you need to be selective with the channel in which you present yourself.
2: So say if you're, you're about to retire, do, do you continue your personal brand into your retirement years? We've talked about the uh, the young ones, and let's talk about the older generation. Uh, is it, is it something that, that they'd still need to focus on or is their, their brand set in their ways because it's been there for so long?
1: Well, I um, if I take my own personal perspective and the way I looked at it, uh, I started uh, considering and planning what I would do once I uh, stepped out of an executive mm-hmm. role. That took quite some planning in terms and, and soul searching to understand and to some extent, that's how this book came about in terms of recognizing I had uh, a brand that could add impact and value to certain parts of my life and certain parts of the community. But I think you've got a planet, number one. Number two, you don't have to become extinct in terms of your brand and start again. You actually have to reinvent yourself and maintain that relevance so that after you do leave leave your executive career, that you have worked out that you want to mentor people, you want to be uh, an authority in a particular area, you want to advise and help those and work in that space that may be relevant to your previous career, all those things need to be considered and planned accordingly.
2: So uh, in the uh, trade media perspective, uh, you know, if, if, if you uh, were to market someone else's uh, personal brand in an effective way, how would you do that if you were marketing someone else's in their, the media or trade?
1: Well, I, th- I think firstly, uh, you've got to understand where they've been, that uh, they don't have any skeletons in the closet, that uh, you can help them build uh, on what they've developed over the years, but I think it is important for them to articulate what their purpose is and what impact they want to make uh, for um, for the, the community and and for themselves going forward.
2: What's what's a big no-no if you're marketing someone else's personal brand?
1: Don't compare yourself to others. Focus on you on the strengths of what you have as a brand, and build on that.
2: So uh, I, I also uh, heard some people go by the philosophy, don't, uh, don't team up or focus on a, a bigger brand to work with you. Why would that be?
1: Don't fo- sorry, don't focus no. on a bigger brand.
2: Don't, like don't, don't work with bigger brands to promote your own smaller brand. You should just focus on your own.
1: That's correct. Uh, very simply, there needs to be a balance because if your brand isn't balanced with the other brand you're partnering with, you will get smothered. And you will be dominated, not necessarily because that's the intent. It's because the brand would overshadow what you're trying to achieve in terms of building your brand. It really needs to be balanced.
2: Unless, unless it's, I guess, uh, you know, social media perspective or an influencer, you know, teaming up with another influencer that has a million followers and you've only got ten thousand. Then, if you're getting on their channel, then all of a sudden, you, you, the brand association could help you.
1: It can, but it, but then you need to be the hero. And so it's actually about the strategic intent of your brand and how you use it. An influencer certainly has a great brand, but if they are pushing a brand, your brand, for example, and you're the hero, then that can work very well.
2: You just gotta make sure you're the hero and they're not stealing your good idea, which I guess can happen and, and them looking good and saying, oh, by the way, this person had something to do with it.
1: Correct. Correct.
2: Yeah. Right. Uh, what do you think about the whole influencer culture thing and, and developing their own personal brands? Are you seeing influencers making mistakes that are detrimental to their personal brand, and what successes would you be seeing? So, so
1: influencers are an interesting um, um, uh, marketing tool, if I can put it that way. They're very good at building brands and and getting uh, getting brands into the market. If they haven't used the brand, it it does. Or can look somewhat uh, artificial. Being passionate and committed to the brand they're, they're promoting would make and does make the world a difference. If they don't have that that commitment, it does cause potential damage to the brand they're trying to promote.
2: So, what do you like? Any any influencers out there that you might follow, and and uh, what, what social media are you on? You do, you do everything. You're just a Twitter man, or you're a LinkedIn guy.
1: I'm. Uh, I do LinkedIn. Uh, I don't. Oh uh, do yes, a,
2: the Jewish dating app.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I don't do any of those apps. Um, I do a limited amount of of Facebook. Very, very uh, limited there. And I do a little bit of Twitter, but uh, not a hell of a lot. I'm uh, social media. To be quite frank, um, is is not something I have been doing in the past. But in terms of uh, really developing and promoting um, the book, I will certainly be doing more.
2: Do you, uh, when you get on social media, uh, like whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn, and you, you see a post and you go, oh, that fires me up. Do you, do you go, whoa, 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 what's my personal brown brand? I don't, I don't think I can say that. Do, do, do you have to constantly second guess yourself?
1: It's the old story of walk, the talk and talk the walk. You yeah. have to be clear and you have to be true to what your values are and what you stand for.
2: Because hmm. like uh, from my perspective, like I'll see something on social media, whether it's you know the Greenland group sending all of the, uh, the medical supplies to China, uh, or if it's you know I see a video on 5G and, and then talking about how it's, it's bad for you and, and I go, yeah, it must be bad for you and I do a bit read and I go, oh, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm the fun guy that's sending a good message to people and I'm trying to make the world a better place, not piss people off and upset them and make them all a little bit more confused. So uh, that, that's, uh, that's really good advice to, to people out there to to not get sucked into a, uh, a whirlpool of, of social media to mess up their brand, I guess you could say.
1: Absolutely.
2: So um, I, I, from a parent perspective, I've got a brother who's uh, just had a kid uh, and he might even be in that room with you right now, filming this interview. And uh, you know, when when you have a, a personal brand and it's already out there and people know who you are, and then when you've had a kid, I mean, how how do you shift your personal brand because you've you've now had a child? You maybe maybe give a few tips on how you can continue to develop your personal brand when you've had a kid.
1: So it's interesting you ask that question because uh, I have two sons and from my perspective, uh, having another string to your bow and expanding your um, capacity and capability, uh, you become, uh, you don't change your brand, but it actually brings another dimension to your brand, which can only enhance uh, what impact you have on the people around you and those who you influence. Um, I can only think that it is a great uh, learning experience for every parent to be able to manage and develop young people to a point that you can see them uh, achieving and realising their own potential for you having been able to lead them down that, that path and take them on that journey. So you actually are learning every day how to do what you have been taught but you're doing it in your way and you're building your brand accordingly.
2: So when you have a kid, uh, like, like Lucas has, uh, my mm-hmm. brother, and uh, you know, you, you, you're building your brand around having a child as well as being a consummate professional and doing your job really well, uh, yeah. how, do you, how do you make that, that personal brand a, a good thing uh, and, and lucrative to, to people wanting to employ you?
1: So apart from the skills you've developed in your role, you have also developed another string to your bow being uh, a parent. And everyone knows that uh, parenting is a challenge. If you are able to develop a career and have patience and tolerance and acceptance of um, those around you, you actually become stronger when you're presenting yourselves yourself to a potential employer because you have more capacity and capability to achieve your role and still have a family.
2: So, uh, what about that family? And when the uh, the kids start growing up, when do you start talking to a, a kid about a, a personal brand? Is it something that should be taught in schools? Do you think?
1: I think that it is taught in an unconventional way now, but I think it's also an opportunity to develop their confidence and build uh, those young people up. When, because many young people and I'm sure you recall you had dreams of all sorts when you were growing up of who you wanted to be and who you, who you aspired to, to be like. They're the times when those sort of dreams and thoughts and ideas should be harnessed and, and encapsulated in a discussion with young people of how they should be framing and shaping their future.
2: So what age do you think is a good age to start focusing on your personal brand? As a kid, like probably 13, 14. I mean, my little, my little sister, Ali, she's 10 and, and she's jumping on TikTok every day and she's doing all these dance routines. I'd say that's her personal brand right now. And you know, she, she's probably thinking about you know where she wants to head with it and where she wants to go. Is that too young?
1: Uh, not necessarily, but I think it starts of when they understand what is right and wrong mm. and understanding what values and behaviors are and that plays into how you actually develop into a young person or into an adult based on those strong foundations that your parents would have taught and shared with you.
2: And how do you get your kids to uh, to focus on their personal brand? How would you approach it if you're talking to like a, you know, 13, 14 year old kid?
1: Well, very simply, uh, when they're when they are either going to receive some pocket money for work they do, or they actually going to get a a job in a supermarket uh, as a a young person, uh, they probably have to be 16 or thereabouts, then very simply the question is, why would they employ you? It's asking the right questions of young people to make them think about how they would look at themselves if they had to be, had to employ someone.
2: It's such a it's such a bizarre thing to think about, like a kid having a personal brand. And oh, little little Timmy, I, you, I see you're struggling with your personal brand. Let's have a chat about that. I mean, it's like you're a CEO talking to one of the people who work for your organisation.
1: Yeah, but obviously you don't talk of it as your personal brand. You talk about it as as you, little Johnny. What is it that that makes you who you are? And that sometimes comes about through young people building their confidence and being known for particular things that they're good at at school or whether they're a a good runner at school or whether a good footballer, all those sort of things play into the, the character of the young person. And, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's a brand or whether it's your character, for a young person, that probably means the same thing.
2: Do you think that uh, kids today are losing their personal brand a little bit because of, you know, being on social media so much and seeing everyone from, you know, the Kardashians to some model or some rock star doing something ridiculous and they're just trying to uh, imitate them?
1: I, I think the, the issue is that we don't spend enough time um, with the important things like values and behaviours. That has been lost to some extent. Um, and social media... Um, does not allow for um, uh, young people to really be taught and be guided as to what good values are, what etiquette is, what are the right uh, approaches to your friends' behaviours, etc. That plays into your comment about the Kardashians, etc. When you're looking or watching TV, those sort of things just are lost.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I think I think it's just a matter of you know making sure that you stay true to yourself. If you're a, a CEO or a retiree or you know someone looking for their next job or a little a little kid figuring out what their brand is, figure out who you are or what your values are, and and yeah. stick with it for as long as you can. Gary, uh, I'm really excited about reading your new book, Brand New You. And it's available in, uh, I actually can pre-order it because it's coming out in uh, in May, I believe. And it's available at uh, Booktopia, Dimix, and QBD. Who should be buying this book? Everyone?
1: Anyone who wants to be relevant or maintain their relevance throughout life, whether you're a grandfather, when you're, whether you're just starting out wanting to uh, secure a job, anyone who really wants to build their brand, improve their brand, and get more out of life.
2: Well, we've got 10 copies of the new book, Brand New, Brand you to give away right now to those of you that made it to the very end of the interview. It's a little treat for you, just for watching the whole thing and being a part of the show. All you got to do to win it is just share it and tag one of your friends and uh, maybe make a little comment like, "Wow, got to get this book. Oh, I really like this Gary guy. He knows what he's on about." Or, "Gee, isn't Mike really good looking?" Whatever you'd like to write, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll choose a few of those people that, that share this interview right now. So, Gary, thank you so much for being on the show, and and thanks yeah. for thanks for sharing your wealth of knowledge and especially in these troubling times. Uh, and uh, and mate, I hope to uh, to have a chat to you again sometime in the coming months, and when things have calmed down and a hell of a lot better.
1: Look forward to it. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Hold
0: up.